If you do enjoy this podcast, the British Podcast Awards Listener Choice Awards, the category sponsored by BBC Sounds. You can vote in that until Sunday the 4th of July. So if you're listening before then and you enjoy this podcast and you would like to vote for me, it would make my heart skip a beat and help lots of people find us if we were to even get nominated. I've put the link in the show notes wherever you're listening right now. Big thanks to Michaela Loach from the Yikes podcast for reminding me that the podcast awards uh, voting for the Listener's Choice Award is open now as well. If you would like to vote for us, it will only take 30 seconds. Thank you ever so much. I'll stop saying the word podcast now. That's when I started learning about the various different technologies. So there's various technologies that essentially convert the sugars in plants and the starches into plastic polymers. Hello and welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast, an environmental podcast with me, broadcaster Andrea Fox, who just wants to know how we save the planet. If you do too, you are listening to the right podcast. Thanks for joining me. On this series still to come, we're talking gold, we're talking tech, and we're talking the product which could replace all plastic. I know, finally. So excited to bring you that one. Uh, on today's episode, though, as always, an eco life hack and your shout outs on the way. First, our guest today is the CEO of Repurpose. Lauren Groper chatted to me recently. Now, if you haven't heard of Repurpose, uh, she's over in the US. This may be something if you're listening in the US you've seen in Target. They are a plastic-free alternative tableware in some very awesome colours, giving you the chance to choose actually compostable products made from plant-based fibres such as corn, such as bamboo. Also, they have reusable products too, and they've always taken into account the price point. Now, CEO Lauren Groper has said she wants to save the world and have fun doing it. Find out why we have Hollywood to thank for repurpose, why we're definitely zoning in on Better Not Perfect, the major innovations in this space that are on the way, and why Lauren is attacking the cultural icon of the plastic red cup. Yes, it's on its way out. Here's Lauren Groper from Repurpose. Thank you so much for joining me on the Age Plastic Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. We're going to talk about Repurpose, uh, your brilliant plant-based tableware company. But first up, I wanted to ask, because you've been working in loads of different fields, what drew you to sustainability? I think I had always had this sort of interest in the natural world. And I grew up in Canada and had a lot of exposure to nature as a kid. And in high school, I did a program where they took you basically into nature for half the year for a full semester. And then you kind of sped up your schooling in the other half. It was called Trek in wow. Vancouver. And yeah, that was like, there was just a ton of environmental education in that. And, you know, you were very susceptible at that tender age of, I think it was 15 or 16. And I just, that kind of lit a fire. And I think I just became very passionate about wanting to, uh, make a difference and save the environment. And so that was really the spark and then continued to study it in college. And it, it just continued. It was just something that was a, just a huge interest of mine. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started and it never stopped. Yeah. I feel like I'm the same. We had a similar thing. It wasn't half a term. It was like half a day out right. the woods <laughs> in the UK. And we were told we were earth caretakers, but I do oh. feel like I've taken that quite seriously because, you know, fast forward to now and I've got this podcast, but um, you also were working in architecture as well, weren't you, before starting Repurpose? Yeah. So I had, um, after uh, college, I'd done some international travel and then got really passionate about architecture and design and still had kind of this this massive passion for sustainability. And I found a program actually in New York where you could kind of combine those two worlds. And it was basically learning to, to build sustainable buildings in sustainable cities. And so 
that to me was, you know, just everything and, and ended up going to school there and, and working in New York doing sustainable architecture and design. So that was, that was sort of my life's dream at the time. And I absolutely loved it. And I did it for many years and it actually is what brought us to repurpose because I had come to LA from New York to do um, work on sustainable sets. And it was on the sets that I was kind of exposed to the amount of plastic tableware that's used every day. And that is really what, you know, when you see it every day firsthand, I think it is different than, than learning about it or reading about it. And I really didn't know about plastic in the ocean at the time or anything like that, but having studied sustainable design and the way that you think about products and how they're made and what they're made from and how they're disposed of, it just seemed like, why are we using petroleum based? Why are we digging a finite resource out of the ground to make a product that we use for five minutes and then throw away? Like seconds. Makes no sense. So that was to me just almost like a design challenge as much as it was a kind of a sustainability moment. And sorry, long story short, but (laughs) that's how the design and architecture kind of brought us to repurpose. So yeah. And yeah. via Hollywood as well. Lovely to have Hollywood to thank for repurpose. Thank you, um, Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but did you start off with like one material in the beginning and then develop them? Was it a long process? What was the journey of repurpose? So the, it was actually a long, windy journey. But essentially, the initial thought was we need to use something disposable. So we can't just reinvent the whole system and, and move to glass or aluminum or something like that and, and do kind of a take back program. That we're just not ready of... for it, are we? We're just, yeah, yeah, we're just, I mean, even today, that's sort of still fresh. But back then, I mean, this is over 10 years ago now, it was like just not even <laughs> not even possible and people were not amenable to that. But but they were interested in, you know, what could we use that would replace this, this you know, petroleum-based plastic. And that's when I started learning about the various different technologies. So there's various technologies that essentially convert the sugars in plants and the starches into plastic polymers, which I'm sure you know, and you've covered on your podcast (laughs) Um, and probably the listeners know about. We love a delve into polymers. We love it. (laughs) So that, that is what got me really excited. So we at Repurpose, we are not we are not the technology. We utilize kind of the latest and greatest technology to make the final products. And so we're able to really work with these technology companies that are coming up with incredible different feedstocks, incredible different bases of the polymer. And we work with them as well to create the final product, which is Repurpose. Mm-hmm. So what really draw what really kind of got us to these final products was just experimenting with different feedstocks, looking at all the different technologies, what was commercially available, what was still kind of in its infancy as a technology to be able to come to market with a product that I think you mentioned earlier on in the podcast that was accessible to people, Mm. was affordable. What could we do? What feedstocks could we use that were widely available that would meet the criteria that we had, which was that it was accessible, sustainable, performed just as well as plastic, but at the end of the day would break down within 180 days. Yeah. So we were able to find that. And that yeah. was what was incredible. And, and what has changed significantly over the last 10 years is just the, the advancement in, in that base technology 
in what feedstocks we're using, what polymers we're using, so that composting time is faster, so that we have marine degradability. There are so many different properties now that didn't exist then. But I think, and, and oftentimes we may get, not criticized, but sort of, you know, why would you come to market with a less than perfect product? And I think we just wanted to provide, you know, this is an alternative that we need. This is something that replaces plastic that's plant-based, that's renewable, that uses 70%, 77% less energy, you know, 80% less water to create. We need these products now. Yeah. And, and we can always jump to the latest and greatest technology as it becomes commercially available. So that's always been our thesis. Yeah. You know, provide a product that's available now and move move as technology moves. I think that's really important. And I've, I joked on the first um, episode of the latest series that this series is about better, not perfect. And I think that's so right. I mean, they say in podcasting, if you're proud of your very first podcast, then you probably waited too long to start it. So I completely, <laughs> completely agree with that, you know, put the product to market and yeah, you can develop it. And I suppose we've touched on uh, in the intro, like corn being one of the repurposed materials, bamboo, obviously, uh, corn very prevalent in America as a crop, bamboo, what would, what's the sort of technology around that? Because obviously, one of the things that people often say is, you know, should we be using food crop for um, products like this? Yes. So we use less than 0.001% of the food crop uh, for these products. So there there is really very little, if any, impact of the food product. Um, The corn that we use is actually called a yellow dent number two. It's often animal feed. It's really starchy. It's not... Sounds like a paint color. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It should be a paint color. Um, But that we are not using crops that are that could be used for human consumption okay. um, we're actually using for example in our plates and bowls we're using upcycled sugarcane so um, we're using the waste from the sugar industry um, yeah. so that is something that is and plates and bowls make up about 60 percent of our our volume of our of our product we we mostly are in the business of plates and bowls um, so yeah, those those use a upcycled waste product. We also use cassava, uh, beet pulp residue. So again, that's a waste byproduct. We are trying to move to as much as we can waste waste byproducts or products that essentially are not meant for human consumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like you said, like that corn is normally fed for cattle and. I, I don't know what it's like in Canada and the US, but I feel like more and more people are cutting certain kinds of meat out of their diet, eating less meat. So, yeah. Yeah, in, it's an interesting conversation to, to see where maybe those sort of food stocks might go in the future. But um, you touched on tech a second ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you have said in an interview before, there have been absolutely moments where neither policy, science or technology were where we wanted them to be. So where do you think we are right now with policy, science and tech? I wish we were further, <laughs> but we are making, I'd say on the tech side, in terms of, we talked about feedstocks. I think we're looking at feedstocks now that don't involve any any kind of uh, agriculture at all. So there's very interesting developments in algae, in seaweed, in in almost in, in methane, in um, basically taking carbon out of, the, <laughs> out of the atmosphere and turning it into polymers, which is- Is this incredible. air carbon? Are you talking about air carbon? Air carbon, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are going to be chatting to the CEO of fascinating material. Like, fascinating. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it could literally replace all the polymer plastic yeah. that we use. 
which to me is, I mean, this is why we never sort of locked arms with the technology company at day one, because we knew that this was going to improve and I didn't want to be stuck with some kind of technology that was, or that is now outdated. Um, mm. So I think it's really important to continue to iterate. But yes, on the tech side, I think there's been massive improvements. On the policy side, more so. Um, but at least in the US, we're still missing critical infrastructure on the composting side. I was so, going to ask about that. What's it like in the US? Um, minimal. About 10% of municipalities in the US have composting, have municipal composting infrastructure. There is industrial composting infrastructure all across the US, but again, it's it's not a municipal service. So you can take it, but it's not a municipal service. Yeah. A really interesting development, and I'm going to give a shout out here to a friend's company um, called Lomi, who you should definitely okay. talk to them. They are the makers of um, Pila, which is a an iPhone case that is um, is compostable. And what they've created is a desktop compostable unit, really small, about the size of a laptop computer. Yeah. I've seen that. Seen and I that? live yeah. somewhere. I live in flats. Like I don't like. We're still waiting for comp. Amazing. It's amazing. Incredible. Yeah, they did an Indiegogo campaign. I think it. it, it exceeded all previous Indiegogo campaigns. Good for them. Yeah, definitely yeah. get that onto me for yeah. sure. So That's, that, yeah. I think, is, is, in my mind, the the future of waste disposal. So mm-hmm. instead of having this big centralized municipal composting infrastructure, you have, you know, your own mini, essentially mini composter that actually can compost tableware, food scraps, etc., reduces all the liquid and leaves you with a little bit of compost if you have a garden to put it in your garden. If you don't, that becomes your waste, and it, which is drastically reduced. So to me, that's just, that's a huge development. And I think that is the future. Yeah, that's so true. And I so often like bemoan governments and policy and infrastructure. But I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I could probably get one and sort out the waste of the 10 flats on the floor where I live, like no right, problem. Exactly. And Let's put, put that in the world. gardens or our, our many, 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 many houseplants right. that all of our neighbours have. Yeah, definitely love that solution. So do you think, you know, repurpose the companies we've talked about? Is this the future? Is the red cup dead? Well, the plastic red cup. Spoiler is alert, it, dead? <laughs> it is dead because repurpose is coming up with a version, um, you know. Nice. <laughs> more, Pay- more coming. Can't talk about it yet. But oh. um, yes, it will be dead soon, I hope. I mean... I, I, those cups, they're iconic in the US. I don't know about in the UK. Are they? Not so much here, but Mm -hmm. we do watch a lot of American movies. That's how I know about them. (laughs) Yes, it is a cultural icon um, that it cannot be recycled. It is very wasteful. Um, And so we definitely need a solution. I've always wanted to do something for the age of plastic that will be helpful to you. As of this series, you can now go and download a template from my website. That will have a handy form you can copy and paste into an email to any company who you want to ask to use less plastic. It could be your favourite supermarket, fashion brand, your local cafe. This is an easy copy and paste, fill in the gaps that mean it's relevant to the business you want to contact. Easy. More details at iamandreafox.co.uk. Is it correct um, that you have an environmental consulting firm as well, Lauren? I don't anymore. That is what I was doing prior to repurpose, but I've been kind of full-time repurposed for many years. 
got you. Um, yeah. So but yes, that was working with sets and various architecture firms and um, real estate development firms and construction firms to help them to help them build greener buildings and greener sets, etc. Yeah. So did uh, clearly there was a need and a desire for that. Did you see it was that increasing? Was it uh, still oh, quite a... increasing? Yes. It was. It was an incredible. <clears throat> it was an incredible um, surge actually when I was doing it, and mm-hmm. it was something that you know it grew significantly, um, and it has blown up. I'd say even since I've really left doing the consulting work and focused on repurpose, just because there's such a need. Um, what I found though with repurpose was just, I was just so passionate about it and became kind of such a big, bigger, it became a lot bigger than I guess I anticipated. I sort of thought, oh, let's try this and see. And then it became a real thing and, and a big thing. And so it demanded significant All your attention. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and it felt like on the sustainable um, consulting side, at least in, in areas uh, of California that, building green be kind of came part of building code and and the norm so which is amazing which is where we wanted it to be and so now again a policy movement that we can get right, behind right exactly the policy had changed significantly over the past 10 years and so that alone sort of took away some of the consulting work in a sense because people had learned okay this is what you need to do and you have to do this to build code so it wasn't you know you didn't need that kind of here I don't know, how do I explain this? You didn't need a a consultant to provide you with a code of how you should be building when it it was, you know, municipal code. Yeah, it was just, that's the standard, that's the way you have to do it type yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, Right. New standard. Okay. And I, I wonder then, like in, in the career you've had, you know, from buildings to tableware and as you say, like moving with the technology in this space with repurpose, what are sort of the biggest innovations, the challenges for sustainability that you've kind of seen? There have been so many challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Start with the bad then. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's super exciting to see how quickly things are moving. Actually, one thing that has been really incredible to see that uh, something that we didn't consider and we touched on this earlier a little bit is we were really looking at a at a single tool, sort of at a single uh, and an ingredient profile to change the way disposables are made by by changing what they're made from and how they're disposed of, which is which is a significant feat in itself. But I think what's super interesting now is just rethinking the entire model of consumption. So companies in the U.S. now are, you know. For example, it's pretty prevalent in cleaning where instead of using cleaning and laundry, instead of using, you know, just buying your your plastic jug of of laundry detergent and putting it in your recycle bin and then never seeing it get recycled, um, you know, we're rethinking that model where why can't we use a reusable glass or aluminum jar that is sent to us and then we are sent refillable liquid and at the end of its life, you can you can recycle that glass or aluminum. There's no plastic. Um, it's reduced. It, everything is sort of. You could actually make it entirely zero waste. There's a company we work with often called Clean Cult, that they produce all of their their refills in compostable paper based uh, containers. And so, 
it's almost as sustainable as it gets. And they're rethinking the whole model. You don't need to just sort of use and throw away. It's this model of reuse. Or in fashion, for example, where let's rethink the whole notion of, of buying clothes and throwing them away or giving them away. We can rent clothing, you know, yes. or we can share, you know, I think that's a huge advantage of just the the world wide web <laughs> you know we are able to to utilize technology in that way to be able to to share to rent to change these models and i think that's absolutely the future or what's well, yeah. now it's now but it's i i think that's what we have to rethink is just these entire systems and innovate the system as much as innovate kind of the existing the existing model with new technology let's innovate the entire system and bring technology to that as well. So that that's what's super exciting to me, all these new models. And I think we're going to see it in all sectors. Yeah, I was talking to a friend who's from Canada actually yesterday about, you know, rent the runway kind of starting yep. the rental movement in the US. And we have so much more of that here now. I'm such a fan of it. Um, and yeah, they, all these innovations feel so futuristic, but then lots of other stuff like just thinking about waste and being, you know, that feels quite like something to me. I don't know about you, Lauren, that feels like the kind of thing my grandparents would have done. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of full Absolutely. circle and modern at the same time, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah, I actually think of my grandparents in the way that, you know, their approach to food and food making, and it was just so much more sustainable and less packaged <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah obviously no not so much plastic I think in the supermarkets of the you know 1950s and 60s and what have you um I know that repurpose was always sort of we talked to touched on um inclusivity and the price point's always been very important to you and you wanted to also be where people shop um so has that been an issue during covid how have you seen sales and and people's habits change Great question. So COVID has been very interesting for us. I think obviously people stopped going to the stores, but brought their shopping online. And we were fortunate to have kind of our online infrastructure in place pre-COVID. So we actually, our business grew through COVID, um, which was we're very grateful for. But what we saw was just a difference in the types of products. So obviously people aren't gathering and getting together. And so products like cups, like the party cups or cake plates, those were not being purchased, mm. but everyday, everyday items, everyday essentials, just like paper plates for us, it's molded fiber, but you know, people didn't want to do dishes every meal if they're stuck at home, yeah. you know, they wanted the convenience, but they wanted it in a sustainable way. So I think we offered that and we saw a huge uptick in items like paper plates and bowls and obviously trash bags, people are at home more. So that those items surged and also people were buying bigger counts. They didn't want, you know, they weren't buying just a small amount for the party. They wanted kind of like the value pack so they could go through them all the time. And that's something that sort of changed our approach to the business. And we have seen this sort of habit sticking around. People mm -hmm. are still using these paper plates a lot um just for everyday use it's not just occasion based so that's something that you know hadn't happened before covid that we're seeing now um and i think more than ever what we've seen is people are becoming a lot more aware of this product category like how much waste they're creating through mealtime and and just everyday use and becoming a lot more conscious as to 
what they could be using instead of the typical plastics that are, I think people that are ordering more takeout, et cetera, from restaurants and getting the plastic fork set when they don't even need it. I mean, mm. what's interesting now is in the apps, in the food ordering apps here, you can actually select um, no utensils, which is amazing. Mm. Incredible. So that, <laughs> that alone I'm sure has been a huge boon to the environment just by people saying, no, thanks. I don't need it. Um, but yeah, I think the, the level of consciousness has risen for sure through COVID. It's really sped that up. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and it's the important thing, like we have to bring everyone along on this or we all suffer the effects of plastic pollution and climate change and, and everything else that comes with it. Um, I suppose you've already mentioned uh, you're working on your red cups. Is there anything else you can tell us about the future of Repurpose? We have some new products as well coming out that are very interesting. Um, a couple of innovations. One is that we're working to make our products entirely home compostable or backyard compostable instead of municipal. So right now about 70% of our products are home compostable, but we'd like to get the majority of them there. And that's thanks to improvement in technology. Um, part of that too means product innovation. So we are now able to make sandwich bags that are home compostable. So those will be coming out. Cling wrap that is home compostable. So that will be coming out. So it's really what we wanna do is create a whole host of products that allow you to replace these everyday, <clears throat> everyday plastic items that you use in your home with repurpose, plant-based, home compostable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sounds so exciting. I, I, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's really difficult to replace some certain things. And I, I know from the amount of food programs I watch, cling film that you just mentioned there, there's some chefs that are just like, there's just certain things I can't do without that particular product. So, you know, it, it's a shame that we weren't always using these plant polymers, right? Instead of I plastic. <laughs> The trouble we could have saved ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's true. That's one that uh, I know I don't use it at home that frequently. It's funny yeah. because we create a, a lot of products that I don't actually even use. I'm much more on this sort of like deep green. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask whether you use them all at home and you test them all. Do you, so. We do test them. And I do. I mean, I've got young kids. So having sort of like a home compostable, um, you know, sandwich bag is hugely, hugely important because when they, for example, when they take something to school, um, we also have a paper version coming out as well that's uncompostable. Um, but that's something that, you know, you just need it. They just, it's, it's almost essential. I mean, there's ways you can go without it, but when you have little kids, they don't always remember to bring things back. And so if you have a reusable container, which I do for, for example, for my daughter's lunch, she brings it back, the whole thing. But if there's little snack things, I mean, half the time, no, they're gone. Um, so so that's just a, a convenience. I think it's it's about kind of having that convenience in your life, but having it in yeah. a sustainable way, and in a fun way. And I happen to personally be on a, li a little bit more of the reusable train where I'm, you know, being as zero waste as possible. But I think for many, many, many people out there, they want an affordable, convenient way to be sustainable. And this is this is a product for them. This is a way that they can get on that train. I mean, it's it's very daunting, I believe, for people mm -hmm. to jump from what they're doing today to zero waste. I yeah. mean, it's not an easy switch. So what we've tried to do is sort of say, 
let's let's get on the sustainability train. This is an easy switch. It's accessible. It's affordable. And then it might inspire you to do more. Mm, yeah, completely. And I, I feel like I was trying to explain to someone the questions that go through my head before I buy something now. And she just went, that sounds exhausting. And it is. <laughs> and, and yeah. uh, you know, all of these sort of convenience things from microwave meals to plastic, they kind of all helped lots of women, you know, in, who were out in the workplace now. And, you know, all these, uh, you know, accessibility things for uh, people with like, a, if they're not able bodied, there are people who will, will always kind of use these products, you know, they're always going to be buying chopped vegetables or a, in a plastic right, exactly. bag because they don't have the time, whatever. So we do need to find, like you say, a sustainable option for those as it, well it exists yeah i think there are there are naysayers out there that just sort of say well you know how can you be sustainable if you're not zero waste not true i really do believe like you said there there are people that just need this convenience in their life and why not make it more sustainable or you are going to have a big gathering where you cannot provide reusable products for everybody so it should be sustainable mm. Yeah, exactly. And like I say, bring everyone along rather bring than being, you know, wagging the finger and being like, oh, and, and also other people on the other side being like, well, you're not perfect. So uh, like, who cares? They're better not perfect. As, as we've already said. So that's, I love that. Better, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a theme of my life, Lauren. Um, so we're on to the last two questions now that we always ask our guests. Bit of a weird one, but plastic is a good material in certain spaces. Um, you know, medical is the example I always give. So is there an item in your life that you're thankful for plastic? your favorite plastic item immediately my mind went to credit card (laughs) 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 that's just what was jogged there um oh man what do i use every day sorry this has stumped me no not at all it is a tough question you know we we, i joke that we're lovers not haters and i i guess it sort of started when i started the podcast because i was like well i can't imagine us getting rid of it all but then you know I talk to people like you now and and Mark from Air Carbon and you know your friend with the compostable sort of at home thing for people with you know not as much space like me uh yeah I'm like maybe eventually this question will be dropped which would be ideal (laughs) you know I'd love to be like oh we don't have plastic anymore we've replaced it with better stuff we've replaced and that will be when I've finish the podcast that will probably be what it is when I stop asking I mean I do have I mean I think the convenience of having freezer bags that are like to put I haven't found an alternative yet that I mean we are working on one of course but (laughs) and we don't use a lot of them but you know when you need it or busy working mum with a family you know like freezing, freezing of um soup stocks and things like that you can't do it in glass jars in the freezer Mm. so what do you do we use these little plastic tubs which i hate but (laughs) what are you gonna do yeah wait wait until well as you've until we make it yeah you create a better product but you're working on it so that's love that i love that um lauren your final question today then on the age of plastic podcast your environmental hero please uh is this is this everybody's greta thunberg (laughs) <laughs> she's very popular greta and david attenborough do come up a lot yes absolutely because well, they've had great reach my number two. yeah <laughs> amazing as well and it must be interesting i suppose you having your own family and your own kids and seeing you know she was just a child you know starting her strike for the climate it's amazing what she's achieved so inspiring so inspiring yeah. 
Lauren, thank you so much for joining me from Repurpose on the Age Plastic podcast. Thank you so much, Andrea. Did you hear me fangirling over the loamy? I would absolutely love that. I've got about 500 houseplants that could probably do with some natural compost. A big thank you to Lauren Groper for chatting to me today from Repurpose. If you want to find out more, as always, all the links in the show notes. Very excited to see the end of the plastic red cup as well. Innovation, guys, pushing forward. A big thank you to Claire Brown, who got in touch to say, really enjoying your Age of Plastic podcast. Thank you, Claire. Literally gives me life to hear that you're enjoying the podcast. She's an impact manager for a group of nurseries in London, working really hard to be as sustainable and environmentally friendly as possible, right from the smallest child to the boardroom. Love that, Claire. Claire also says it's important to give our children the best opportunities in the future, which is why she thinks it's very important to take full responsibility for our impact on society and the planet and leave things better than we found them. Thank you so much, Claire. Really appreciate you getting in touch. Also, you may have noticed that little halfway point, I've been giving you a tool that I hope you are finding useful to send to companies to be like, hey, I want to learn about your sustainability. What are you doing about this? I really like this. Thank you so much for Prad who got in touch to say he used the downloadable form that you can then adjust as appropriate to send to the company you want to send it to. He used it when he bought some eco products, plastic free products from Amazon, and they actually got back to him. Hooray! They got back to him and said, we're going to send you a bag and you can post us back the plastic that these plastic free products came wrapped in. And so they'll deal with it. What they're going to do with it, I don't know. Prad hasn't put in his message, but I'm really glad that you're finding that useful. Thank you so much for getting in touch with that. If you want to get in touch, eco life hack, comment, suggestion, guest suggestion, um, you want to give me loads of money. No, don't do that. Do do that. Uh, Get in touch on the contacts. They're all wherever you are listening right now to the Age of Plastic podcast. Okay, time to finish up on an eco life hack today. We've mentioned Lomi which I absolutely want to have, a home compost toaster about the size of a toaster that you can use on your countertop. There's a bit of a waiting list for them now. I'll put that link in the show notes in case you're interested. I am hoping to chat to them on the podcast very soon as well, so we'll get the lowdown on that. Uh, But they're actually also part of the company Keela. If you haven't heard of them before, they are compostable and eco-friendly phone cases. We go through so many phones now, so many phones. You're going to find out more on that from a guest coming up on this series, Reboxed. So why not make sure we look after them? And why not encase them in something that isn't plastic, considering our phones are mainly plastic? Uh, check out peelercase.com. And again, it's all going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I will be back next time talking about why landfill might be the new place we'll be mining for gold with the brilliant sustainable jewellery brand Catch Reese. That is all on the next episode of the Age of Plastic podcast. Until then, live your life by my ethos. Better, not perfect. That's basically my brand. I'll see you next time on the Age of Plastic podcast.